What's up, everybody? This is Calvin Buchanan. And this is Cornell Beard from Underrepresented, the podcast about design and culture. What's good, Calvin? How you doing today, brother? I'm chilling. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. We had that first outtake with Abdi and a little mix-up, but we we back now. Right. Um, but yeah, as I was saying before, um, it's rainy day here in Minnesota. Um, raining all day today. It's uh, hindering my yard work which is like a blessing in disguise, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just been uh, a rainy week in a sense, um, not just weather-wise, but just, you know, raining on the culture. Um, when it comes to um, the event that not happened this week, but the event that happened a few months ago um, with the killing of uh, Aubrey, um, Ahmed Aubrey down right. in Georgia. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's been weighing um, not only me, but, you know, the culture um, as a whole right now. Right. You know, it's a lot about this. Um, I heard about this story, I think, closer to when it happened. And the thing that's so odd about it is I heard about it, I read about it, and I was like, this is crazy. Um, but it kind of just blended in with the rest of everything that happens all the time when you hear about these unarmed Black men being killed. Um, so when people started talking about it this week, I was like, I'm, I'm, again, I'm glad this is getting the visibility because when I heard about it, I was just like, damn, a, another Black man gunned down for no apparent reason. Um, like I said, whatever you're doing, nothing um, demands a death sentence, again, in the streets. Um, and for something to happen like that to that brother, it's just it's just wild to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you say, like, it's crazy how things like that become almost like normalized, you know? Right. Where like you live your entire life and you see those things regularly, you know, in the media, where it's when you are scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or you're on CNN or you hear Fox News and you hear a story like that come up, you say it to yourself, you say, like, damn. But then, like, it kind of just kind of goes away with everything. Like, within, it's like, it's just news. But then to, you know, be three months post and then have it, you know, people still talking about, like, oh, like, these dudes are still, you know, shopping at Walmarts and, right. and like, living their lives like normal when they just killed the dude, like, killed the guy in the streets um, with no probable cause at all. Um, yeah, and it's just, like, crazy to think about it. And I know toward the end of this week, um, after, you know, it was trending via social media and everyone was signing petitions and making phone calls and celebrities were sharing, sharing everything. Um, and then it got out that, like, you know, that the GBI, like, actually arrested them and they were charged with murder. Um, and this is still crazy to me to think about that, like, it took three months and an entire country to, like, be upset about this. Right. But actually, you know, go to these guys' houses and actually arrest them. And, like, that's just for an arrest, you know? Like, that's just, it just seems like blasphemy to me. It's just crazy. Like I said, it's, um, there's, like, no accountability. It's a thing that um, my wife and I talk about um, all the time. Like, when these shootings happen, um, I don't care what your intent is, someone died. Um, that means somebody got to go to jail. Um, yeah. We can have the court set, like maybe for everything else, the courts and the judges settle out afterward. But y'all killed a man who was running. I don't know what your story is, but y'all got to go to jail tonight um, or for however long we get this all figured out. But Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you got to get arrested. You got to – you can't just go back home. Like, I just can't imagine being in, you know, at Target right now and, like, knowing that the guy behind me killed, killed somebody last night. But, you know, like, because, like, he's not proven guilty yet, like, he's just roaming the streets, you know? Right. Even, like, proven guilty. Like, you just, if you are in a major crime of murder, yeah. someone's life, someone's got to be held accountable. And you, you admit that you're the person who shot him. So come on down to this jail. 
and we'll figure this stuff out later. Like I said, you got to get arrested like everybody else. If you, something happened in Target, like you said, if you were in Target shopping and something came up missing and they saw you pick it up, they're going to take you to jail because somebody got to be held accountable for this stuff and somebody got to be held accountable for lives being lost too. So I swear. And like, that's like where I think that is like where the real issue is, is that like, you know, not being treated with the same, um, the same treatment, you know? Right. Um, Cause like, I just, there's a, there's an artist, I don't know his, uh, his real name. I know his first name is Marcus, but his Instagram account is uh, Marcus Effin Prime. And it was a few months back. I was probably even late last year, he created this illustration um, of a, like a Caucasian kid, you know, with uh, you know two guns in his hand, they had like the tactical pants on, some boots. And then they had like him like walking with a smile on his face past an officer that was like, you know, holding down like a black, you know, like a young black man on the ground. And like the other officer in the image was like, kind of like chucking up the deuces or like, you know, like giving a thumbs up to the kid that was walking by with the two guns in his hand. Okay. Like, we're just like suggesting that like, you know, like it's like, it's always this, this perception thing. Like we talked about last week that because this kid, you know, he's white first off and he's wearing these like tactical pants <clears throat> and he has, you know, these guns in his hand that like, his intent is different than like, you know, this young man who's on the ground who's wearing like a, a white t-shirt, you know? Right. Like, it's just, it's crazy to think about that. Like that's, it's something as simple as like color or complexion of skin and, you know, like the wear of your clothing that, you know, I guess dictates whether or not you like deserve to, you know, be treated the same or not. Right. It's the thing, like you said, we talked about last week. It's about the perception, how people see you, um, as again, as a black representative for all things. Uh, negative intentions, um, out to hurt them or harm them. Um, but you were in a professional space, again, people are gonna have a hard time seeing you as the authority figure or as a person who should be um, leading a team instead of just being a person on the team. You're outspoken how people see your outspokenness as angry and black as instead of just being authoritative or something like that. It's all yeah. about how people perceive you, like all the kind of stuff that's wrapped up in kind of this, your skin color that people kind of bring their own preconceived notions to the table with, so. Yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, I know that you and I talk about, um, Alvin and I talk about, Abdi and I talk about, uh, me and a lot of my friends talk about, um, and not even just like as of lately, but I mean, I will go to the extent to say like our entire lives, especially like um, our adulthood. I mean, everything from like 16 plus, like when those become like really apparent, when like you can actually, you know, see that your teachers are treating you differently, you know, or that guidance counselors are like talking to you differently or school security guards, you know, like they're watching you more heavily. And then like you learn to like adapt to those things where I feel like that black filter comes from, where you feel like you develop this filter over time that like, okay, like, if I wear my jeans this way, then like, they're gonna look at me this way. But if I, you know, wear my pants this way, or if I don't even wear jeans, if I wear slacks, like, then I'm perceived differently already. Right. And, then, and if I talk a certain way, or if I know that I'm like, rather like larger of a male, and so like, if I don't smile and my eyebrow ridge is like naturally, like pointed downward, so I look upset naturally. And so like, I have to like, keep a smile on my face, with, doesn't seem like I'm actually upset right now, you know? Right. And um, I, try to, I try to stay out of the thing. I try to stay out of the thing of making, doing things to make other people comfortable. I know at times I say I get into the uh, mode of not wanting to be 
I don't know, just too comfortable with myself. But I try not to make, I try not to do things to make other people comfortable, but to make sure that I'm again taking care of myself and like how I want to express myself and be. Um, because I I don't want to have my life dictated or move in a way that uh, my actions don't make you comfortable just because you have some other kind of preconceived things about me too. So yeah. So it's a slippery slope though. It is. It's very slippery. And like I guess that brings me to like kind of our topic of today, um, um, which is like how this actually affects the culture as a whole. Right. Like not just like black culture, um, not just like American culture, but also like corporate corporate culture and like work culture, um, culture amongst like friend groups. Like when something like this happens where I feel like as a nation as a whole, like people start to perceive it as like a black issue. And like something that black people like, you know, take really um, dear. But in the reality, like it's a, it's a, it's a world issue, you know. Like it's a, it should be um, important to everyone, you know, especially for people that feel like they care about, you know, their either black counterparts or black friends, black coworkers. And to, I think I've been seeing this thing right now. This is like the silence speaks volumes. Right. And like when people do sit in silence and like they see an entire community mourning right now and they choose to not, you know, speak on it or not, you know, like lend like their condolences or whatever. And they just like, just kind of like are ignorant to it. Right. Um, yeah. And so I feel like that, that's been kind of like getting, um, I guess, weighing on me a lot this week too, um, for like, you know, certain friends and stuff like that, that these, I mean, it's really apparent right now. Everybody's at home. Everybody's on their phones, everybody's on their computer. So like, there's no way that people aren't seeing this. Um, like, I just, I feel like that is really apparent. And um, yeah, to like, to be ignorant toward it, it's just, um, like I said, speaks volumes. Right, because my plan is um, is to reach out to our um, inclusion diversity team at my job and kind of see if they, are they gonna put together some round tables, some discussions about this, some panels about this thing. Um, I know that my wife, she works at Allianz, um, life insurance and they do a lot of that stuff. They have a strong kind of black employee resource group and they talk about everything all the time. Um, like I said, my wife was, she was the president of that group there. So um, she made it a point to kind of bring things to the, to their, um, their inclusion and diversity kind of organizations and talk about those kind of things. And they talked about like Philando Castillo shooting. They talk about um, black um, maternal mortality rates, all kind of stuff that they kind of discuss. Um, but they, like I said, they do a lot of stuff that just kind of, like you said, affects the culture overall. And I'm hoping yeah. that, that same kind of um, thing going at United Health Group. Again, I'm going to reach out to our inclusion diversity team, see what they can do. Like you said, it, it touches everybody. It's not just about Black people. If you want to be allies, you want to support people, you want to, um, again, how can you help as a ally for your um, Black counterparts or your coworkers to make them feel comfortable and know that they are um, wanted and needed and loved in these spaces also. So that's yeah. why I'm going to reach out to our um, team there too. So Yeah, I have the same intent too. Uh, <laughs> if we had um, our diversity inclusion meeting just the other day, um, I want to say it was either Monday of this week or Friday of Friday of the previous week. And um, since, uh, you know, Pride Month is coming up um, in June, that was a lot of the discussion about like, what can we do for Pride Month? And um just um, the amount of resources, not resources in um, like finance, more so people right. that are really interested in helping with Pride Month, you know, is that because, <clears throat> well, because like, you know, it's, I mean, like minorities, like there's like different like segments of like being a minority and like being in that underrepresented population. 
And I felt that, or I feel that like when it comes to pride, pride is, it becomes like an event for people, especially people that aren't, they actually don't associate themselves as like being like um, lesbian, gay, or bi, or trans, or queer, or, you know, the other parts of that community too. Right. But they do associate themselves with like the party that pride comes with, you know? Right. And like, that's how you can be an ally by going out and like, you know, like having fun and getting excited and, you know, like really celebrating this culture. Um, but I feel like when it comes to black culture and like, there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more like mourning that comes with it. You know, a lot more things like this where you have like these hate crimes that are, you know, killing, you know, young men, uh, young women. Um, and that goes from like not even just, I mean, like everyday citizens. I mean, these are like actually like police officers and, you know, uh, people that are government officials that are really kind of keeping the culture down as a whole. And that's why I think, I think people kind of get caught up with too. I feel like um, they feel like they have to pick sides when you're trying to speak out against things that happen to black people. So you feel like now it starts becoming like a, a political thing. And it's not, it doesn't have to be political. Just if you want to see black people living, just yeah. black people and be allies for black people. It doesn't kind of have to come down to you trying to join a political party or promote a thing. Just be an ally and help support those people. So it's a human thing, like it's right. It's, right. It's like at its core, right? Um, yeah, and like so the photo that's been like being shared around um, of Ahmad is um, the one that he has. He's like wearing a polo hat, like a polo shirt, mm-hmm. and like it's just like it seems like. Um, it's just, it seems so common, you know? Like, I feel like I know, I would say hundreds of like <laughs> guys that look just like that, you know? That wear the same outfit, that do the exact same things. Um, and it's just like crazy to think about. And I've had a lot of my friends like, you know, voice their opinions via social that like, you know, like I jog to my neighborhood on a nightly basis or, you know, like that could have been me and that could have been me. Or, you know, people saying like that could have been my son and things like that. And it's crazy because like, that's the reality of it, you know? Like, it, it could have been, you know, not him. It could have been someone else that was, you know, 5'11 and black and, you know, jogging at the same time like he was, you know? Right. It wasn't like he was, like, designated, like, this is the person. It's just, like, because you fit this description of being black and, like, young and in this neighborhood at the wrong time, like, that's what your right is now to, you know, have your life ended. and. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that. It's just been like, like almost like my every other thought this week has been making really hard to like work and get things done and like kind of like stay the course of like your, I guess like somewhat normal life of you know working at forty hours a week and you know walking dogs and cooking meals and stuff like that. I think that's the thing that hit hard for a, a lot of young black men is that um, it's a, a really like common thing that people are doing. Like I said, you're running through a neighborhood, you're jogging, exercising. And there are so many people who just do like, like you said, regular activities where you can't do these things because you're seen as a threat, where you're not doing anything except for just living your life. If you would have been, <clears throat> like I said, there's other things that happened in, in the past or people who have been in some situations and you can kind of remove yourself from those, situ- those specific situations because you don't do this or do that. But you feel like everybody's just like jogging through neighborhoods. Like how, how is that a thing? Yeah. Like how can I be identified or picked out because of this thing that, seems so commonplace that people just, uh, if someone's looking to, to mess with you or pick you out of something and trying to, uh, like I said, assault you, kill you for being black, make them, any excuse they can make of them um, because it's, he's, that's, that's doing like 
almost nothing like running through a neighborhood and people misidentify you or whatever yeah your life yeah and it's just it's so common like it's I, don't know, I just think that there's so many common things and even like right now you know with the covid um still being very apparent um and like the you know having to wear masks or gloves when you go into like you know stores and i had this conversation with my mom when they first like kind of made that somewhat of like a, a mandatory thing or a suggestion that like when you do to go stores like to you know put your mask on um potentially wear gloves and I talked to her about it, like, you know how that looks, like, if I go into a gas station with, like, the, let's say, a, like, a black mask or some of a darker colored mask on, and, like, I just happened to wear my hoodie that day or whatever. Right. Like, it could easily go left, like, because of, like, just being ignorant about it. So, like, going back to that black filter again, and, like, looking at the mirror before you leave in the morning, <laughs> like, okay, like, maybe I should put, like, some of, like, a, a more... I guess like playful mask on like a mask that doesn't look like I don't know maybe this mask should be orange like or something to like show that you're not a threat and that just it only makes you a threat because you are black beneath that mask and beneath that hood or beneath that hat you know right and it's messed up that we have to even think about those things to kind of put run things through that filter um yeah. I, said, I had the same thought and my thing was like I'm gonna just Get me a black bandana, tie a black bandana around my face, and then go to Menards. <laughs> that don't seem like a good idea when you talk about going to Menards and a black um, bandana around your face. And like yeah. I said, I have on hoodies because, like you said, it's been raining and cold this week. It's yeah. been 40s and 50s. Uh, I throw a hoodie on every time I go somewhere. And like I said, I went from having on, like I said, I was going to put on a black uh, bandana and my, uh, end up going with like a more of a traditional kind of face mask, another kind of mask on. Yeah, it's it's wild. I even put my hat to the back sometimes so you can see like, because I feel like there's just like, there's so many things that I feel like that society's like been like putting out into the world. I mean, since I was, I mean, since I, before I was born about like, what like this criminal like is supposed to look like, even outside of like a, like a color thing, you know, when you watch like Looney Tunes and like you see that the most wanted person in the world is like this dude who has like this like thing over his head and I don't know, like it's just like this is like right. this typical like looking criminal, and it's just crazy to think that like you t tie that to like the real world and like that, um, like the country as a whole kind of like places that are like it's like synonymous with like criminals being black and like people in jail, like the majority of like are blacks and like that it just becomes a thing. Right. And so when I'm getting dressed in the morning. Or let's say it's 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock. Yeah, even like thinking back to like my late teenage years and like my casual trips to like the gas station at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night just to like buy like Arizona tea. And like even at that time, like I wasn't really, I wasn't thinking too much about it, but I'll just throw my hoodie on, my headphones, and like walk to the store and, you know, buy my Arizona tea and some hot fries or whatever and like go back home. And like that could easily have gone like a, like another way, you know. Right. And like in my you know adult age today, like I would never do that shit again. Like that just doesn't even make sense to me right now. And it shouldn't be that way at all. But right. oh, see, and I try to like I said, if I if I think about it too much, then I will do it. I would like to say I'll keep my hoodie on. I'm in the store. I'm like it's cold outside. Somebody got something to say about it. I got a hoodie. On. Yeah. So I, if I find because I get in my head that I don't want to make again, I, I don't want to start doing things to make people comfortable. So then I would then go out of my way 
to keep my hoodie on, to keep a bandana on. Like I say, if it's in the wintertime, to keep a ski mask on because it's, this is the weather. I'm just like the weather like everybody else is. So if I, if I think about it, if I think about it twice, I'll do it. At <laughs> times you're like, again, I'm, I'm not, I don't want the headache. I'm not trying to go through all this. Yeah. Just get a regular uh, face mask. I don't need a bandana on. Again, because like I said, um, like I said, I live way out in the suburbs too. Um, I, my thing is, well, my, my, my always my thought is, I feel like there's not a lot of uh, black people in my neighborhood. So the police, they see me outside cutting my grass, they should have an idea of who this black family is in the first place. So if somebody yeah. says somebody looking weird, they're like, they should know that hey, it's the Buchanan's, you the ones out of pocket now. So stop messing with the Buchanan's. So that's yeah. my, always my thing too. So I was like, if somebody sees my son riding his bike to the store, they know my family. So I, I try to be rely on that. Hopefully some, like I said, we live in a pretty small neighborhood. So yeah, I hope things don't get too off my son. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's even that, like, that's, it's, it's a thought already, you know, like, right. like yeah. you have to think about those things in the first place. And that, like, yeah, I just, I don't imagine that it's, um, like, for all cultures, you know, that, that I have to make sure that it's known that my family lives in this neighborhood and that right. the cops see, like, you know, either me, me cutting grass or that, you know, the Buchanan's have been here for the last decade and... Right. If there's, uh, I don't know, like uh, on the radio, somebody says that there's a 17-year-old black male doing whatever this is over here, that they should know, like, okay, well, we do know that, you know, Buchanan's live over here, and they have a 17-year-old son, so, like, just be aware of that, but also, right. you know, if it's not him, like, that's probably the criminal, you know? Right. And so, like, it's just crazy to think that, like, that's just how, it's, like, so normalized within, like, the black community that, like, you are constantly, like, thinking about these things. And I do I do commend you, like, how you said, like, if you think twice about it, you, like, you do it just to, like, <laughs> right. I don't need to, like, conform to do whatever. Right. And, like, I, too, like, I try to do those things as much as possible, but I feel like there are some things that I feel like I've been somehow, like, conditioned, like, conditioned myself over time, um, leaning more so into, like, the, I, either, like, my charm or, like, my, uh charisma and like no one like that is like a safe thing for people that like you know when you are like um i guess like when you come off like more content like it's just like people uh are attracted towards you and right. so like i i mean i do that just because like that's like how i've been raised and like how i am as an adult um but i know that there are times where like if i'm having a bad day like i i don't feel like you know like being charming, I don't feel like, you know, making jokes or nothing like that. I just, I'm, just in my, I'm in my mode and I just want to like, you know, keep to myself. But then like, naturally I think of that, that third party experience or that person that's looking at me now, like how do they feel, you know, or like if I say something to a coworker that feels like a little, I don't know, like a little like too, I don't know, just like a little, a little much or like it's either too direct or like it's just, it sounds like more harsh than like normally how I would talk to somebody and you can like sense like they're like they're like almost like they're uh like they're like a little frightened you know or like they're a little you know a little like on the edge now okay or even like being challenged with that too like like oh like Cornell, how you doing are you all right like well, yeah i'm all right i'm just i don't feel like making jokes today like <laughs> right and I was, there was this thing i seen this week on twitter there was a this conversation came up and kind of designed twitter um there was a young junior designer or a more junior person than this other design manager. 
giving out portfolio advice. So the design manager kind of corrected this more junior designer. And then everyone kind of got on this design manager's case about um, not being more polite and um, not having a more kind of uh, teaching kind of tone when talking to this uh, junior designer. And I was like, I, it goes back to that thing again about perception. I think like people had a hard time with hearing a black man tell somebody something in an authoritative manner. Yeah. Um, look, without, again, without making them feel um, calm and kind of inviting them into this space and kind of making them feel like, let me be your sensei instead of doing, uh, telling you something just, just flat out and direct. Like, I don't have time. And, like, and that's what uh, the design manager was saying. He's like, I don't have time to coddle people. If you're putting out wrong information, I'm going to let you know as a grown person who thought you had the authority to say something, I'm going to tell you with authority also. Yeah. People have a hard time getting those kind of, like you said, those kind of direct or harsh, harsh messages from um, black faces at time when they just, um, like, again, they kind of just feel threatened and kind of pull back like, oh, I didn't know yeah. you were upset about them. Like, I'm not so upset. This is just a regular serious kind of tone or something. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, you know? Right. I feel like people, like that natural reaction, you know, like if, you know, I say something too direct to you and your heart skip a beat, like that's not my problem, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a you thing, you know? That's a that's just the way that you've been raised or how you've been conditioned in life. And, you know, like, like you said before, like you have to really go against the grain sometimes. You feel like, if you feel like people, this is going to make someone uncomfortable because a way that I'm dressing or the way that I'm talking or the music in my headphones or, you know, my vehicle or whatever it is like that you shouldn't have to shelter that, you know, you should have to like make that smaller. I think somebody, maybe it was you, I think, um, someone asked me, like, um, do you ever make yourself smaller to make people around you feel, like, safer, you know? Right. Um, and it's something that, like, I naturally always say, like, no, like, I'm like I'm me 24-7. But I know, like, there are, like, certain conversations where, like, either your, like, your voice, like, the, what's, like, the the octaves of your voice, like. Couple like, octaves go up. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, like, it's crazy that's, like, even a thing. And I think uh, I think Dave Chappelle brought it up, like how when you talk to certain people, like that they have like a fake tone of voice, and like match, like you like match that voice or whatever. Yes. And so, especially within my last two years of my life, last two three years, I've been really trying to like fight those things and like become more aware of that when I do that, because I feel like being raised in Minnesota here and then having spent time in the army and like almost having to like force your assertiveness just because like that's just like the culture there right and then moving back to the city and being like a full-time student and like it's just it's as students like it just students sleep in class like it just it's a whole <laughs> different environment right i feel like i became a lot more relaxed and then getting back to the corporate environment again and like that became a thing again, you know, where like I apply for internships and like during this internship interview, like I can sense that I'm talking differently, you know, or my job as a personal trainer, I can sense that I'm talking to like my older, like white female clients a certain way. Right. And like, that's not how I should be communicating. Cause like, that's not how I communicate, you know? Right. Um, I feel like in the army, y'all all, everyone be like super low, um, authoritative voices. Y'all trying to all, alpha male each other. That's not what's happening in the army. You said that they all trying to alpha male each other? That's what I would feel like in the army. That's what all y'all be doing is trying to like 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you have to force your assertiveness. Like right. you, it's just it's always a thing, you know. Unless like you like in your immediate you know group of like you know friends or like immediate team. But the moment you get out into like training or you're in an environment where like um, you're what do you call it? Um, like say like you as my like creative director, and I'm working here with you know four other like junior designers and a senior senior designer whatever everyone's constantly looking for their like their chance to like show um their assertiveness or like their um willingness to like accept leadership you know right like, okay like oh the computer just crashed like let me show that i can step in and like save the day right and like it's constantly like that you know but i feel like in you know my corporate environment it's like you have everyone's like somewhat equal in a sense okay even though we all have like different titles but like People are kind of like somewhat all treated with the same respect, um, just like paid differently, I guess. Um, so in those moments, like just having to not force it, but just like if I know the answer, I know how to like solve this issue or I have like good ideas and like just like speak up on those things, but not have to like um, like try to talk around it or like tread lightly because like you don't want to seem like you're trying to like take the stage or you don't want to seem like you're trying to you know, like upstage your, your design director or your CD or whatever it is. And I feel like naturally that comes across as like being um, black or like black men is that like that power thing, you know? Right. And that's been a lot of the media this week too of like just, you are seen as like a threat because of like the power that you do hold, you know? So do you ever feel yourself not speaking up then? Like if you knew the answer to something, you do you not, I guess trying to seem like you so thirsty about answering something or trying to be like a know-it-all, you'd be like, someone else will get to it eventually, even though you might already know the, or have like a answer to that problem? Um, I would say not in like the sense of like answering questions or like, if somebody's like, how you get to this store? I'm not gonna just be like, I'm not gonna answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's more so like thinking back in like, like school days, but more so, I guess like, uh, when it comes to like to ideas, you know, that. Yeah. If we, everybody has like these ideas for like say the, whatever the project is and we all come from different backgrounds and like we're trying to solve a problem um, design wise or creative wise. And so when I do think of like my idea that it's probably very culture driven, like it's something that I've experienced in my life as a black person. So I feel that we should like, this is like something that I have in mind, but then to like think about it, okay, like if I know it makes sense from like my perspective as a black man, like how do I explain that? to a room full of, you know, like, like white creatives. Right. But then also like, how do I tell them or show them that like, it makes sense, but also it pertains to culture and that's why it makes more, like, I don't know, I feel like that, it's just like putting too much thought into things sometimes where like that idea probably would never actually get out because I don't know how to like accurately describe it to actually have it make sense and not just seem like, just like an idea. But do you sit on those ideas then or you? still kind of vocalize them, but you don't get the true impact of it across them, is that what you feel? Um, both of them. So like, sometimes like I would say something and like, I just don't have the words to like describe it because I feel like, like I was for lack of like better wording, like it's a, it's a black thing. And like, right. and it's like hard to, for me to like <clears throat> break it down. Right. But then there are times where like, I have that idea and I think about it and this is like a great idea, but like, I don't know how to vocalize it. So like, I'm gonna just, sit on it and maybe the words will come to me later. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, then like that really helps a lot when you do have like other black creators or like other black people you can actually connect with. And like I'm thinking of doing this thing right here, but then it makes sense because of this here. And they're like, oh, like that's dope. Like you know, I can see it being this, this, or this way. And then like you kind of expand, expand on that, and then you can go back to that CD or whomever. And like, oh, so I had this idea for you know this upcoming e- event that we can, I don't know, whatever it is, you know. Right. Okay. Can I, can I ask, um, in terms of like not having the words, um, Who is this? and this is Abdi, by the way, for the <laughs> listeners, um, when you guys are trying to find the words, um, especially in, in, in critical moments like this in the country where, you know, sometimes this is a language for you guys, the way that you design, the way that you illustrate, um, it's a way of communication. And so when you guys see, um, the kind of graphics that have been going around about Ahmed Aubrey and, and, you know, we see, you know, hands up, don't shoot. And a lot of the kind of art that comes out of these movements, um, do you guys feel like, you know, with the language that you use in your corporate world, um, that that hits you guys a little deeper? I mean, like when you see that art and that work, um, are you, do you feel inspired to, instead of having to explain yourself through words to sometimes sit down and, and draw some stuff out and really express yourself differently. Um, I'm not an artist. I'm not a, a, a somebody who's an illustrator, but I can see how that's a way for you guys to get that out into the, the world for you. So is that true? Yeah, most definitely. It's something that we brought up um, actually a few, probably about a month ago now, pertaining to like the coronavirus and COVID right now, that it's a time where I feel like artists, we get they get more active and they have subject matter to like create things for that is really personal to them um and also like it's something that's happening within our country that could help i guess or not help move forward but just bringing people together and i feel like this is another situation of that where we see you know black designers and i mean designers of like all ethnicities um creating artwork right now to show like they're um like you know that they're for you know a and it is a it's a great thing. I even you know been in my sketchbook this past few days, um, just writing things out. And I guess for myself, it's a little more personal. But like, yeah, like I really enjoy seeing that stuff right now. Yeah. Um, during the Filamo Castillo shooting, there was um, an insula- after that shooting, there was an installation at um, Mia, and they had a like I said, they had a bunch of people, a bunch of different artists who put together this stuff. It was like everything from visual art to sound design and art. Um, they have uh, video programming. They had a, a bunch of different things. And it's like I said, it helps people tell that kind of story in the way that they can best. Cause that is like, um, I'm saying it's like, that's the way that people communicate. You communicate again through sound or through visuals and things like that. And it really helps you get that kind of stuff off your chest and kind of express yourself in your kind of truest, most passionate kind of form about something too. So um, like I said, I've been seeing some great art come out of, um, around this kind of current kind of I don't even know what to call it. Um, like I said, the shooting, this death. Um, but again, to kind of bring awareness to what that situation is, again, from all these kind of senseless shootings of Philemo Castillo stuff. Um, like I said, this Amal Aubrey stuff. Um, it's just just some great art and visuals to help, help communicate, um, share a message, inform people, bring awareness to something. It's been um, at least good to kind of see it, at least have some kind of positive effect on such a terrible thing too. So I just think it's, it's just, it's just really dope to see and kind of hear stuff too that people kind of put out too. Yeah, and I think that people that have voices um, 
I know it's a common saying, like, you know, like the people that do have voices need to speak for the ones that are voiceless. And that uh, I guess in this day and age, a lot of that pertains to like, you know, celebrities or, you know, like big businesses that have these like large platforms to really make differences or make a difference. Um, and I remember coming across uh, Miguel's, the Miguel, the, the singer, coming across his Instagram a few days ago. And he had posted just himself like um, on hold, you know, trying to like call to, you know, get his um, his uh, voice through. And he had talked about, you know, like you can sign his petition. Um, the link is in his bio, like, you know, do that right now. And just like seeing that uh, for me, like it's, it's really like just, just really moving because you don't have to do those things. Um, I think that it's easier for for black community or black celebrities um, see things like that and like make those decisions that, you know, we have a voice and like we should actually use our platform for, for the good. Um, but I, I know that um, it's probably thought about from, I guess like other ethnicities or other big businesses where like Calvin mentioned earlier like that, you know, maybe it's seen as like a political thing and like we don't want to get involved because like, we don't know if he actually was, you know, a part of this burglary. Like we don't know like if, the he's guilty or they are guilty like we rather just not deal with it at all and i feel that when people can like you know create artwork or you know share messaging that pertains to like an incident like this it really i guess like helps you understand that it's a human thing and not just like a, a political thing or like there's a, a right or wrong like that you just have to be able to like use that um like use your voice for those for those things Tell my thing too. There's a, um, there was a, another shooting in St. Paul too. I know that's uh, the Amon Aubrey stuff's been like on the national platform, but there's a, a man here, Doug Lewis, over. I think it's like right over here near the suburbs where I live at too. Um, right over in St. Paul, uh, Doug Lewis was shot and killed again, unarmed black man um, after a traffic crash, um, gunned down in the streets again. You, you just hear about these things all the time. Like I said, they just start, like you said, it becomes normalized, start bouncing off people. And that's, I, we, again, we need to bring awareness so these things don't become normal and commonplace and people don't become numb to this stuff. But people are aware and they're trying to make a change so these things stop happening too. So that's yeah. what I hope that art does do too. So, yeah, the Jews, I'm not sure if it's a, like a trend, but I've been seeing, I've seen a few of them now within the last year. Um, one that was actually happened here in Minnesota that I know of where like, you know, young black men or young black, uh, yeah, young black men I've seen for sure would like, somehow like they would, like, you can tell they're like on like a suicide mission, you know, like they'll hop in their car and they'll just keep running red lights until like they get like a train of like cops behind them. And, you know, once they finally like, pull over, they will like, you know, get out the car and like run, you know, or whatever it is, or like, just know that they their intent is that they know that the cops are going to kill them you know like they know that they're going to get shot they're not going to get tased and arrested they're going to actually get shot and like the few videos that i have seen like gone viral were um one of them was here um i think it was like in the bloomington area and like i remember it's like really vividly because he was driving around playing nipsey hustles um i forgot the song i want to it's either I want to say double up, 
is what he was playing. Something off of Victory Lap, though, for sure. Okay. And he just had the song repeat, and, like, he was just, like, on Instagram Live or Facebook Live and just, like, talking about how, like, you know, he keeps running these red lights and these cops are behind him, like, and you can tell, like, he's either, like, he just, he's not in his right, right, um, right mind state. And he does it to the point where, like, he finally gets pulled over or he has enough cars behind him and he stops his car and, like, gets out and tries to run and they end up, you know, shooting him down in the streets. And it's just, like, sad to, like, know that, like, if you have that intent, like, that's going to happen. Whether you have, I mean, even if he had a knife or whatever, like, there's just, like, I know as a as a former soldier, like, we're trained to, like, handle certain situations, and I just imagine right. that we should be trained to handle certain situations, too. And that if there's a situation where there's one person and there's, I don't know, dozens of car, cops, like, you can handle that situation, whether they have a knife or a gun or no weapon at all, like, there's other ways to subdue subdue somebody instead of like having to always shoot to kill. Um, it's just crazy like that. It paints like this like red marker on you just because you are black that you are you know dangerous and that like overkill is like the natural solution. You know, right? That shouldn't be the go-to. That should be the last resort too. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm wondering to kind of I guess close out the conversation here. We talked a little bit about. Um, that corporate response, right? That, that you know, as an employee, um, whether or not um, your corporate environment um, is built towards acceptance and having these, facilitating these kind of conversations. Um, do you guys think sometimes, uh, I'm not sure if you don't have to say whether or not it's been a thing at where you work, but when you see big corporations putting out messages like that, do you think it's a bit... Um, you know, kind of opportunist in a way where they try to sell products on top of dead bodies. I mean, I saw there's a meme going around about how we're almost kind of being, uh, we're buying into our own death in a way, buying I Can't Breathe shirts and, you know, partaking in corporate, you know, uh, activities by buying things. Um, do you think that's a way of addressing things in the 21st century because we're consumers and that it's like the dollars, how you vote? Um, or do you think that, uh, that there's somewhat of an exploitation happening in that world? And is that the, maybe that's the reason why we should have more black designers and black CEOs and folks in these rooms um, to make sure this is a genuine fix? Um, I, guess I, I guess I'm kind of revealing how I think of it as I'm asking the question. But um, I'm wondering what you guys' take on it as a way to close out the conversation. My thing is, I think there's a little bit of exploitation in it, but I think, as long, again, make this thing like a mutual um, benefit for everybody. So if, if you're going to sell these shirts, to make sure you give money back to these organizations. If you have a corporation that's um, doing stuff and promoting stuff, make sure that they also donate to these organizations. Again, um, as many eyeballs to get awareness on this stuff, to get people's uh, minds changed, get this on to people's minds. Some people don't even know about this stuff at times. Um, the better. Um, again, having all this stuff just fall on silent ears. Again, like I said, it took three months for these people to even be brought to justice in the first place. And if there had been, again, some kind of movement behind this from the jumpstart, they'd had a, a shirt or a model or something like that, we could have been ahead of this stuff too. So like I said, if these organizations are being paying money back, um, just make sure everybody's benefiting if you're going to make money off of stuff too, though. So, Yeah, and I'll caveat off of that too. Um, I think that 
you know, Abdi, you mentioned black designers and black CEOs. Um, I think the importance in this is, is that like, if you are black and like you do work in these spaces and you could, you know, wait for, you know, your either like your white CEO or your white counterparts to like, like ask like, you know, how things are going or whatever it is. But I think in a lot of cases, like it is up to you to like have that voice too within your own industry or your own business. Say like, hey, this is what's happening in my community. And I think like we all need to come together and, you know, do our part. Um, because like I said before, like I think sometimes people are just really ignorant toward it. And now like in a bad way where they just, they don't care, but they don't know how to interact with something or they don't know how to respond to something. And I think that, you know, as, you know, black members that you, it just, you need to have that voice for them and to help them or help guide them in order to like, you know, find a common ground and, you know, help move the culture forward. So, well, um, I, I definitely kind of learned a bit in this conversation. And I think sometimes we got to get a little serious on this podcast. Usually we're joking around and kind of talking about, um, more lighthearted topics but really i think at the end of the day <clears throat> you two you know know better than anybody here that the work that you do can be done for a lot of good right and and yes it's you know it pays the bills and you know there's cool partnerships but at the end of the day when you're changing lives and impacting lives um i i don't know what's more important than that in the world you know going 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 into the corporate world or just our average day we got to make some impact positive impact so Rest in peace, Ahmad. Rest in peace to all those who've lost their lives um, since the sleep uh, through injustice. And um, here's to making that change for, for those in the future. So, <clears throat> appreciate it, guys. And I guess on that note, we can conclude the episode. Um, as always, we appreciate why it's been uh, following the Unrepresented Journey. It's been listening to the podcast. Um, you've been listening so far. Feel free to drop um, reviews, ratings on Spotify, Apple, uh, whatever you're listening to it on. Uh, follow us on Instagram at under underscore represented. Uh, shoot us a DM, you know, give us your thoughts. Um, we're always here for it. And also, Underrepresented merch coming soon. Uh, we'll hey. talk about that next week, though. Yep, merch, posters, a lot. You know what I mean? Stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Yeah.